102 down, 263 that will forever be left to go. My name is Chris. This is at a theater near me, the podcast where I used to go to the movie theaters every single day for 102 days. Uh, have a lot to cover today on this show, uh, including six different movies that I have uh, I have to review here before we, we sign off, as well as why the show is ending and as well as the potential or possible future for this show. Uh, but before I go any further, do you have a collection of sports cards sitting in your basement collecting dust? Have you ever wondered what your binders full of baseball cards are worth? Are you a fan of sports cards or heard of the recent boom in the sports card industry? Now is the time to reach out to Alex with Saints 413 and cash in on your collection. Alex specializes in all aspects of the sports card industry from buying, selling, trading, grading, and even running box breaks. Alex has been in the sports card industry for 15 years and has bought and sold hundreds of thousands of dollars in sports cards. Since the start of the pandemic, the industry has taken off, so don't put it off any longer. Reach out to Alex to help you cash in. And if you are already on the sports card trading bandwagon, Alex runs multiple box breaks each week with the latest and best products through his eBay store at Saints413. That's all one word, Saints413. He also has a YouTube channel at Saints413 Breaks. For more information on how you can sell your cards for some side cash or get some help navigating through that sports card industry, reach out to Alex at saints413breaks at gmail.com, saints413breaks at gmail.com, or through his eBay store at saints413. He would love to hear from you. Okay, so the show is ending. Uh, my streak has been snapped. I have COVID. Uh, as you can probably hear, I'm kind of, uh, I'm not a full strength, so I needed some help. So uh, I had to bring in my, my trusty sidekick, Warthog. Warthog, say hello. Hello. It's a, uh... It's a sad day. Um, sad I had to come back like this. I was holding out for Rathacon. But um, it was good to be your second choice after Alice Shattuck. No, there was no. You, you're my first choice. Alex is a great guest, for sure. But uh, I, there's no one else to bring on here that, uh, but the Warthog to finish this show off. Uh, you know, I was waiting for a military movie, but it uh, never came, unfortunately. Uh, COVID did come for me though. Um, so that's why this show is going to be no longer. Um, I tested positive for COVID on Wednesday morning. And that evening I was scheduled to see uh, Singing in the Rain. With Ned, uh, and I was going to do a show with Ned Snark about that. Uh, I figured that might have been maybe not the best audience to go see a show considering I have COVID. <laughs> so uh, I, I said all along, if, if I have COVID, this is... This is over. As disappointed as I am, this is over. It, it's a little, I don't know, it makes it a little easier when it's that much out of my hands. Like if you have COVID, you, it's over. Like you can't, you can't continue this. It's pretty, pretty black and white. I mean, if you feel differently, I, I don't know. I don't want to tell you. We just look at the world differently. Uh, from a, not saying you were hog, but if anyone listening to this disagrees from a, you know, you, we just, uh, we just look at the world it, it, philosophically very differently. Um, but in my opinion, if I have COVID, it's over. I think I've said that pretty early on. Um, I will say I, I was very nervous. This was going to happen during the Omicron variant, uh, in January and February. I'm kind of shocked it didn't happen. And once I got through that, and then once I got through the winter in March, I'm like, all right, like smooth sailing. Like we're probably, I figured I was actually pretty good to go until, I don't know, November when the weather starts being tricky again. I mean, I was already thinking maybe do some drive and stuff in June and July. I was actually aiming to do 30 for 30. I, I, 
thought it had a pretty good chance to, to hit 30 movie theaters in 30 days because New Orleans was actually pretty welcoming when it came to independent film. So I'm like, oh, I got a real potential shot at this. I was going to, May was going to be all about merchandise. So I, I had stuff planned out uh, moving forward. Um, we'll talk more in the second half of this show uh, about kind of what the future of this show is or if there is a future or just kind of maybe a look back on the show um, if anyone's interested in that kind of thing. But I thought first I kind of just could kind of go through some of the movies or the movies that um, I saw as well as some of the more interesting theaters. Uh, so theater wise, um, I saw two theaters. I'm covering six movies here. I'll go through those six movies brought back for you too, in order. Uh, they are, you won't be alone. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Morbius, the devil you know, Navalny, and Sonic 2. Okay, so that's six theaters there, but there's two of real interest I want to talk about. And one of them is the uh, AMC Dine-In in Clearview. That's Clearview, Louisiana. The AMC Dine-In is, um, we have some of those in New England, like Chunkies, where they'll bring food to you while you, while you watch the movie, like you can eat a full meal. AMC has a very small grouping of theaters. They classify that able to do that called dining. In fact, there's only one AMC dining in all of New England. That's in Framingham. Have you ever been to that theater? No. Warthog? Uh, that AMC. No, the only AMC I've been to is Braintree. Okay. Uh, yeah. So the one in Framingham, uh, I apparently has this dine in service. I wonder if it's not as popular in New England, just because we, they are some independent, um, chains that, that cover that base, uh, for, uh, especially in Maine, that's a big deal. I think Smitty's is another one that does that. Um, and, uh, but I will say though, it was actually, the food was pretty good. I mean, considering it's, you know, movie theater, you know, quote unquote ballpark food, I got a Buffalo yeah. chicken sandwich and it was, it was pretty good. Um, they brought it out on about half hour into the movie. It wasn't as distracting as I thought it might be. And I was seeing a pretty good movie. I was seeing everything everywhere all at once. Um, and, um, I, I thought the meal was, was, was a pretty solid lunch. I, I have very little complaints. I, I kind of wish more would do it, but then also I wonder if the theater was super full and I'm sitting right next to someone that's eating this really smelly food. That might not be the best experience. So I don't know. Maybe it's best to kind of separate church and state when it comes to eating dinner and, and watching a movie. Um, right. I agree. There's only one dine-in option, uh, AMC dine-in in all of Louisiana, and that's the one I went to. But some states do have more. Uh, if you're interested, check out the AMC website if you live in a different state. But like I said, only one in New England. Um, the other theater I thought was interesting was the Broad Theater. This is really cool. This is in New Orleans. This is right near the Crescent City Steakhouse, which is a really unique steakhouse that at one time was a big rival of Ruth Chris's Steakhouse, or Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, excuse me. Um, and uh, Crescent city ha has this really they're not a change they're, they are the other side of the coin of that of that ruth's chris uh, experience it is uh it's it's a really cool place to go get a steak you you can sit in your own private booth um so is a and if you feel like you're in like 1947 while you're there uh it's one of the most affordable steakhouses ever been to and the steak was pretty good um so if you're in new orleans definitely check out the crescent city steakhouse but also check out the broad theater which is uh about a half mile down the road uh and it has a full bar uh like it and like really unique drinks has a really cool like little arcade that has ms pac-man and galaga they have uh one of the specials they have is popcorn and a pint for 12 bucks um and the theater itself has some interesting unique films um the theaters were very clean, um, very comfortable. Uh, the movie I saw there was awful. It's called You Won't Be Alone. Um, it was a, uh, a real art house experimental kind of movie. 
directed by someone I'd never heard of, Goran Stovleski. It's his first movie. It's about a, uh, it takes place in 19th century Macedonia. And if you're not already excited, it's about a witch that um, curses this baby and then the baby grows up and then the baby is able to uh, take different forms, but she's ostracized from her community. And then she eventually learns humanity by taking different forms. The movies, I guess, kind of a horror movie. It's incredibly brutal. Uh, very little dialogue. Um, it's all about kind of the ambiance. It's very dreamlike film. It's everything that I really don't like about movies. Um, the story itself is, is threadbare. It's just not very good. Uh, I give giving that a D, but the broad theater, I, I probably give it a minus to really good theater. Um, do you enjoy having a drink or two? If you go to the movie, I know you, I know you almost never go to the movies, but if you did in such a world, would you enjoy, enjoy a drink? Uh, no, just because, so the way I see it is like, if you're drinking, you're kind of focused on that and it takes away from like, you get distracted either, you know, either reordering or whatever. Um, like same thing with comedy shows where, like if you stay sober, you're able to focus on and remember, you know, what's happened rather than falling asleep in the right. back of the theater. Right. Yes, that's true. Uh, I don't, I don't usually worry about falling asleep in the theater too often, but you're right. I guess if you are, you're enjoying a good beer, would, would that distract you from uh, the film? I don't know. Um, I, I'm also like, I don't, I don't drink a lot when I go to, this might, this might shock people. I don't drink a lot. I don't drink when I go to the movies ever. I don't even drink a lot when I go to sporting events very often. I'm just kind of enjoying the game. I might, I might have a few drinks afterwards for sure. But when I'm there, I don't know. I, I, I never, never really got that urge. Um, I guess if I wasn't like a, if I was going to a sport or a movie I didn't really care about potentially, but usually when I'm going to an event, I'm, I'm happy to be there. Um, the, uh, plus bathroom breaks. Plus bathroom breaks. Yes. Um, that's true. Uh, here's some, okay. So we'll do some, some quick kind of reviews. We'll, we'll knock some down here and then we'll get into, uh, like the second half of the show. Okay. So everything everywhere all at once. I'm giving this movie a B plus. This is a very good movie. It's just not quite great. This is the best non-documentary I've seen. that's come out in 2022. It's the 12th best movie I've covered so far on this journey. So this is a really good movie. It just misses great. Uh, it stars Michelle Yo, uh, hopefully she gets an Academy Award nomination for this. It's directed by the Daniels. Go see the trailer. I'm not going to bother describing it. Uh, it has to do with multiverses and it's it complicated, but th when you're watching the movie and you're actually in the movie, it's not as complicated as, as it, the trailer may make it seem to believe. Uh, or if you just start thinking about it too much, it, it sounds more complicated than it is when you're seeing it visually. They do a really good job, I think, simplifying the multiverse element. And I think people's familiarity with Marvel stuff, I think, helps with that too. So um, the reason I just don't, this movie just didn't quite hit great for me was there's just so much going on. It doesn't, intentionally, it doesn't allow the characters to breathe sometimes. And it's so focused on the multiverse stuff sometimes, it lose track of the relationship that when it goes back to the relationship at the end, you were left wanting more of that. Uh, the multiverse stuff is really interesting and fun, but this is also a movie that's, you know, it's, Two hours and 19 minutes it's pretty long like at some point near the end of the second act i'm like all right i, I get it there's this multiverses like let's get back to these people because these people are really interesting the performances are really great you have james hong jamie lee curtis uh someone i've never seen before stephanie sue she plays uh michelle yo's daughter she's fantastic and ki hugh kwan um he's data from the goonies uh uh, he was, of course, short round in Temple of Doom, and he's in this. And he gives such a kind, warm performance. I can't believe this guy hasn't acted in a generation because you would have thought this guy has been acting all along. It's 
it's such a kind, you can't help but root for him. He, he's so likable on screen and he always has been, but sometimes those child actors lose that. Um, this is a really interesting, fun movie. I definitely recommend checking it out. Like I said, it just, just misses great for me, but that just depend on like, what's the expression? Like your mileage may vary. Like, you know, it, that might just be, you know, what interests me, but I, I could, if someone said this is their favorite movie of the last you know year, I, I wouldn't argue too much with them. Um, but it's something like Belfast just hits me harder because I'm a sucker for more for those sentimentality kind of films. Um, okay. So the next movie is the devil, you know, this is one of the most frustrating movies. I think I've covered on this show. Um, this is a movie I had never heard of. It stars Omar Epps, this is written and directed by Charles Murray. Um, he's directed a couple other movies. Um, this movie, like the other ones he's directed, have almost entirely African-American casts. I haven't seen this movie marketed anywhere, and it's actually pretty good. I'm going to give it a C+. The script is very strong, and the performances are really good. Um, Theo Rossi is, is this bad guy. He's really evil and sinister. Some really good performance, especially by Michael Beach, William Catlett. Omar Epps is really strong in this movie. Um, the problem is the direction's atrocious and the score is really bad. Like they did this movie on the cheap. I, I mean, I'm sure they only had so much budget, um, but it's frustrating when you see a movie written and directed by the same guy and then uh, the writer lets down the director, or in this case, the director lets down the writer. It's also just kind of frustrating because production companies wouldn't give it as much money as they should have because of, they felt it would only appeal to uh, African-American audiences. And you know, now you're talking what, less than 20% of the American population. So is that a reason right. that this didn't get the funding it deserved? I don't know. It's a really cool story. Check it out if you can. It's about this family in San Diego. It's uh, four brothers, and um, they have very different professional lives. One's a pastor. Uh, one's an ex-con. One is just lost his job. Uh, the other is the older brother who has this, who is a contractor. And um, I think it deals with that those relationships really well. They don't. They don't. They come across as very unique individuals, but you can tell they're brothers, and you can tell that they really care for each other. But then that care is really pushed to the limit, and it's really interesting to see how each character and each performance deals with that. Honestly, the movie, the movie might be worth seeing just based on Omar Epps' performance alone. Um, really, really interesting movie. I said I can only give it a C plus though, because like I said the score is so distracting, and um, the direction is is just really weak. Uh, I'd love to see this movie. I don't know. I wish they could remake this with the same cast and just, just you know, give them 20 million more dollars. Navalny, so this is a documentary about Alexei Navalny. Um, he is a, uh, a Russian uh, political figure. He's also um, considers himself a journalist and he's very anti-Putin. Um, you may have heard about this story. In 2020, he was poisoned um, and then he ended up figuring out who poisoned him and uh, all that stuff happens on camera. He's very big in social media. He basically videotapes his entire life. So it's all there. You're in the room with him when, um, when his wife's going to the hospital to find out what's going on with him being poisoned. You're in the room with him when he figures out who poisoned him. And then when he's calling up the people that poisoned him, uh, and when he's, you know, now when he's trying to negotiate with the media to get this, uh, this footage out there, uh, and it has a, a very sad ending to it. I believe it's going to be on CNN produced it. And I believe CNN is going to be airing this. So I think you'll be able to check this, this movie out. I do recommend this giving this a B minus. Um, it is very interesting. It feels unfinished. I think it was somewhat rushed out. Um, I believe it also I'm seeing here might also be on HBO max as well by the, uh, by next month. But the story itself is interesting. He's an interesting figure. Um, he, I don't know if I'd say 
I, I don't want to say he's an unreliable narrator, but I have a hard, he's, he's a, such a complex figure. It's hard to entirely believe everything he's saying. Um, but at the same token though, every time I don't believe him, I'm proven wrong. And, and, and it looks like he is someone to be believed. And, um, and the stuff with the Ukraine makes this even more timely and interesting. So uh, Navalny is definitely, uh, definitely worth seeing. Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Uh, I did not see Sonic the Hedgehog 1. This was the last movie I saw before I tested positive for COVID. So when I saw this, I was not feeling particularly well. So it might affect my review here. But I did not particularly like this movie. Um, I'm giving this a, a D. Um, it's obviously not for me. It's a children's movie. It's really for like, I think it's for like that second grade boy that loves to tell jokes. It has a lot of comedy, more more jokes, I guess, than a, a typical children's film. Um, Jim Carrey gives a very bizarre performance. Um, no, no, nothing has any stakes in it. In fact, it's odd because like the Sonic and Tails and Knuckles, those are the, like the CGI characters. They have a lot more humanity than most of the, the human actors, um, which makes for just an odd film. I, I don't know why they make all these characters one note. This is a movie I don't think that has a lot of... Um, confidence that children are very bright um or that they have like very strong attention spans you watch something like Encanto or Sing 2 and those are movies that seem to respect children quite a bit where Sonic the Hedgehog 2 doesn't really seem to do that having said that I'm wrong I mean this movie made a shit ton of money it made 72 million dollars last weekend um that's almost what Encanto has made its entire run uh Sonic the Hedgehog 2 will have passed Encanto um, by the time you hear this, I, I believe, um, when it comes to box office. So, and it's going to pass Sing 2, um, I don't know, by the end of April. So, like, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is making a lot of money. Uh, it's doing very well. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 1, I know, was a huge hit among um, kids uh, during the pandemic. So, uh, you know, you can't fault the success there, or at least you can't argue the success there, I guess is a better way to say it. Um, but I thought this movie was pretty terrible. Uh Everyone seems to be having fun. No one seems to be taking this seriously. So I guess you get points for that. But they're also not really striving for anything here. The effects are fine. I wouldn't say anything's done cheap. This, this is a not a very notable film, except for just the bizarre uh, incorporation of jokes at every turn, Jim Carrey's performance, and the fact that the movie just makes an insane amount of money. Uh, I was talking with Justin Trudell about this movie. Uh, he had already seen it when I saw him in Mississippi. And he made a good point about Idris Elba uh, and just saying he's not a very good voice actor. And I, I completely agree, especially in this role. Um, Knuckles with Idris Elba's voice is very strange. Um, it it do, do, doesn't appear to fit the character. Um, and he doesn't emote very well with his voice where like Ben Schwartz is Sonic and he does a really good job. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, this movie just seems to be a real misfire. But like I said, I'm sure they'll make a Sonic 3. It's making so much money. Okay, let's go to the top 12 movies I've covered this show. 12, because number 12, of course, is uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Number 11 is Licorice Pizza. Number 10 is After Yang. This is a really interesting movie, Colin Farrell. I don't feel it got enough uh, publicity. Uh, it's available on Showtime. Um, so if you're streaming, you can you can check that out. It's a movie about the near future, and it asks some pretty heavy-duty questions. Uh, you know, what is life? What are memories? What are we doing here? And it does it in a way that's, I, I feel it's like, it's like Blade Runner, but with a heart and not as intrusive with the science fiction stuff. Uh, it doesn't let that get in the way of telling the story. It, it almost just, it simply just adds to the story. Um, so After Yang is definitely one to check out. Number nine is Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind. Number eight is Night Tram. This is the movie I talked to uh, with Menners in the last episode. Very disturbing film, but um, 
I think a really interesting one to watch with some of the best performances you'll see. Number seven is Get Back. This is the rooftop concert. Um, that's the, the Beatles uh, documentary. Six is Coda, obviously one best picture. Five is worst person in the world. I'll, I'll keep singing this, uh, these, this praise. I'll keep singing these praises as long as I can. This movie is fantastic with an amazing performance. Number four is Belfast. And then three, Back to the Future, two Goodfellas, and one, of course, The Godfather. So those are the best movies I've seen doing this show. The worst movie, of course, will always be Tyson's Run. Tyson's Run is absolutely horrible. Go punish your friends uh, next time they're over and you're having some drinks and looking for something to do and, and throw on Tyson's Run if you can find it uh, with Amy Smart. It is absolutely atrocious. I don't know about you, but I love wearing socks. I don't spend a lot of time in bare feet. But while I love socks, the seams on the toes of my socks can drive me absolutely crazy. You get that pair of socks where the seam is too bumpy and you feel it all day. That drives me nuts. That's where Q for Quinn socks come in. Q for Quinn socks. Their flat toe seam socks are worn by anyone who is highly sensitive to seams, tags, and their environment. Their use of natural materials, organic cotton and merino wool, are used to maximize breathability and comfort. They have products that are so clean, they are certified by GOTS. That is the gold standard for organic textiles. Q for Quinn products are free from azo dyes and other harsh chemicals like BPA and parabens that can cause cancer. So you'll be safe and comfortable while you avoid those toe seams. Best of all, they have sizes for the entire family. Head over to QForQuinn.com right now to get some seamless toe socks. That's Q for Quinn. Q-F-O-R-Q-U-I-N-N. Q-F-O-R-Q-U-I-N-N.com. QForQuinn.com. They have a bunch of really interesting products. Go check them out and get comfortable right now. Okay, so let's talk future of the show or lack thereof. Um, so I know uh, I see a few people online um, asking for 365 for 365, basically saying um, you can still see 365 movies in the course of the year, just double up, you know, do double headers, uh, basically until you catch up for the days you missed because of COVID. I'm not going to do that. I go see a movie in the movie theaters every single day for an entire year. I think that's what makes it unique. Um, so uh, I think to do that would, would kind of cheapen it. Um, so I won't be doing that. I think the only way to do it would you have to start up again. So some of the criticism criticisms levied on this show, I think are some were unfair, but some, some were fair and some had some really good points. Um, and one of them was the show probably should be daily. And I, I agree with that uh, to some extent. Um, or at least I, I daily a lot more often than I did it. Um, but I think to do that, you'd have to have like a title sponsor. You'd have to have someone make a pretty big or company make a pretty big investment into the show. If you had that, then that would kind of cover a lot of bases. Because the problem is if, you, if I did a show every day, I don't have... I have way too much advertising real estate. I would have so many shows that wouldn't have advertisers and it wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense that way. The other thing too, is if you did shows every day, the average downloads per episode would go down. Um, I see it. I've done shows back to back to back. Like that's just typically how it goes, unfortunately. So that, that's kind of the problem there. But if I had, like I said, a title sponsor, then I wouldn't be as worried about that. So about six or eight weeks ago, I had someone reach out and ask to sell advertising for the show. And I said, that sounds fantastic. Uh, and he said, you have to have at least 10,000 downloads per episode. 
And I was like, whoa, I am not there yet. So that's where I think I need, I, I would need someone to, like I said, be a, like a title sponsor. And so I don't know, I think it just might be time just to think of something new too. I mean, it was obviously nowhere near a year, but um, I don't know, it might, you know, there's other things to do, other projects to think about. I love talking about movies. I'm trying to think of other projects. I've been thinking, you know, since this ended, uh, you know, yesterday, uh, I've been trying to think of other, two days ago, I've been trying to think of other projects and a lot of stuff I want to do is stuff that I don't know if there's a huge audience for it. Um, like I'd love to talk about old, older movies typically or old episodes of Saturday Night Live or things that I just don't know if there's a large audience for these things or how people would be able to see these things. Um, I noticed a huge difference in my downloads for obvious reasons when I covered movies that people knew of. So that's another reason why it's tough to do every day. So like a lot of times you might have like one movie that no one's ever heard of, but maybe you have that along with something like Marry Me, like that Owen Wilson movie. Like people at least have heard of that. So they'll check it out. But if it's two movies, no one's heard of, I saw, you see like a noticeable dip. So that's my worry is if I went every day, you're covering a movie that no one's ever heard of, that, that's easy to be a skip, especially if they know another episode's coming tomorrow. So you'd have to have some sort of, I think, help to do it every day. Um, what do you think, Warthog? Where, where do you fall in all this? Are you, are you also as shocked as I am? As you can probably tell, I haven't really thought about this ending at all. So I'm kind of all over the place. So like, it's it's definitely like a big, um, it was definitely like a bummer when I saw you put out that tweet that you weren't going to the movies. Um, but it was almost like one of those ones where like, you almost wonder if, like, were you relieved when you like missed a day? Because then you knew the pressure was off. You didn't have to, like almost like a weight was being lifted off your shoulders. Not really. Um, I also wasn't enormously devastated either. So like, I think if this happened on like say November 29th, I would have been just devastated. Like that would have been awful where this is early enough where it didn't happen. Um, I also wasn't relieved. I'm, I'm a little bit sad. Um, I actually enjoyed going to the movies. I had, I, I enjoyed, there were things about this I enjoyed more than I thought I would, except for, I don't know, maybe say seven or eight times. I actually enjoyed going and go, going out and seeing the movie. It was, even the movie sucked. It was still a fun to go there and see movies that maybe I normally wouldn't have seen. Right. There are things about this I didn't love. I didn't love um, podcasting alone. I don't think I'd ever do, uh, ideally wouldn't do that a ton again. Like I loved having guests on. Like I, I really, I didn't realize how hard it would be to do it alone. I think I got better at it the more I, I couldn't have really got any worse if you listen to those early episodes. But I, I think I got a little better as it went along. But um, some episodes I thought were, at least like the Oscar one and the Batman one, I thought were two of my better ones maybe. But like, and those were by myself. But then other ones, it was just, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, so I mean, there are definitely things I didn't necessarily love. Though it's like production, and like the producing stuff is hard for me, but I think I'm slowly getting better at it. I wanted to experiment more with taking like, like I talked with mentors about in the last episode, like having a mic on me if I was driving somewhere and running late or something. I thought that was an interesting thing to have. Um, I know some mentors and a couple of people wanted me to like interview like concession stand workers or like ticket takers. I, I was never going to do that. That's like I said, I think it's like an invasion of privacy. And that also you do this 102 times. I'm not going to have 102 different questions to ask the ticket taker. I think that's, that's ridiculous, but there are some interesting things you can definitely have if you're on site with a mic. So, uh, relief, um, no, but not, not really great disappointment either. Um, I'm, I think I'm still kind of surprised. I guess I, I didn't expect it to end like this. If this had ended, like if I got a flat tire or if I had gone to a late show and they fucked up with the projector and that's how it just died out, I would have felt really bad. Like I would have been really upset with myself, but yeah. this was so out of my hands, I feel. So I'm like, oh, all right, I can't even get that mad at myself. I don't know. 
Not that answers your question or not. It does. So, like, were there any movies that you were, like, glad that you dodged? Would have been happy to dodge Morbius and Sonic 2. Um, <laughs> dodged, uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, some of these, like the Harry Potter one coming out, I, I, I really didn't want to have to go see that. But no, not really. And I saw this one I would have liked to have seen that I didn't, I wasn't able to, it wasn't playing here. And the conversation, the Gene Hackman movie got a re-release um, a couple months ago and it was playing out like 30 theaters nationwide. And typically when that happens, you'll catch one or two playing in, in Boston, but I didn't see it anywhere. I was a little upset. I, I didn't see that playing anywhere. I would have liked to talk about the conversation. And see, see, that's where I'm going. I'm talking about older movies. Um, I mean, the newer ones are great too, but um, I don't know. I think the next project I do would be something to do more, I think, with, with older movies. I think there's more of a fun debate about those movies that people maybe had a, a larger chance to see, but then you can't go too far back or else no one's even heard of them. So that's kind of the debate I'm weighing in my head right now. What would you say was like your weirdest theater experience like during this project? My most nerve wracking one was I was going to tape with, with Mike and um, I was going to see King Richard. And King Richard was only playing at like one or two theaters. And I knew Mike had already seen it and we already scheduled. I think I was scheduled to tape with him that night. And I went to like a five o'clock showing of King Richard. This is back in January. And I go there and they start playing the movie, The King's Man. And I'm like, oh shit. And they fucked up the projector. And it was the only time that King Richard was playing in that day. And like, well, we can't, sorry. We just, we, once it starts, we can't stop it. Because if they stop it and start again, it would have fucked up the time for the next movie going in there. So like, it's basically King's Man or nothing. And I had already like kind of talked to the, the AMC people for a while. So I missed a big chunk of the King's Man. So now it's like 6.45. I'm supposed to tape with Mike about this movie. So I texted Mike and, and Mike couldn't have been nicer about it. It was like, oh, no, no worries. Just, just see King Richard tomorrow. We'll tape later that week, whatever. Um, but then I had to scramble and try to go find a movie that I hadn't already seen. And that's a big reason why I kept always seeing the oldest movies first was because I mean, in case of emergency, I would have as many options as possible. Um, so I ended up driving back to New Hampshire and seeing, I ended up seeing the King's man that night. But I remember like that moment, I'm like, Oh shit. And that happened to me a second time too in Concord where I was seeing the live action shorts and they played the wrong shorts. They played like uh, live action instead of animated. And I hadn't seen either. So I didn't care, but I'm thinking, Oh my God, what if they had played the wrong one? And I already seen them both. And it was a late night showing too, or a later night showing. I'm not even completely fucked. So stuff like that, I was always trying to see matinees to avoid that. Um, were there any theaters that you were looking forward to going to? Yeah, the, the Britannia in, in New Orleans. I, that did not disappoint. I probably didn't talk about that theater enough, honestly. Um, that theater was, was amazing. Um, it's a shame it's so far away. It's, it's, a, it's, a, one, it's a one screener. Um, it's immaculately restored. They have a bar that they have... Uh, they just redid it. They had Hurricane Ida come in. I talked about it in the last episode and they had to shut down for six months and they rebuilt it and they redid the bar and they made it like the Overlook bar in The Shining. Um, so that's really cool. Um, and uh, it's just this grand old theater that you can tell was just really cared for. Um, the screen looks great. Um, it's it's just, you just feel like you're at an old movie house. It's just, it's just it's, it's exactly what like going to those movie theaters should be. The old standby, the music hall in Portsmouth, that's one I've been to a bunch. That one's always, always great. And then um, I found some other ones doing this, like the Landmark. I had never been to that one in Cambridge and ended up going to that one a lot, especially after I taped KMS, I would head over to Cambridge because they have a lot of independent films there. And that theater was, was pretty great. Yeah, I, I actually ended up seeing 
I ended up enjoying the theater experience more than I thought. Um, the AMCs are pretty solid. I think the AMCs are, are in much better shape in this area than the Regals are. Oh, and the showcase cinemas, those cinema deluxes are fantastic. Um, those are really, really, really nice theaters. Um, so yeah, you can't say enough of these, but those showcase, they, they do a fantastic job. Did you, Ed, did Ed, at any of the theaters that you went to, were any of them like projecting film or were they all digital? Most were digital. I, I know most were digital. Right. I don't know if any were film. I know the one in the Brattle has rear projection. So it's actually done yeah. behind the screen. And I guess it's like one of very few theaters in, in this continent that does that. The Brattle Theater is pretty cool. Um, that's one I recommend if someone's a huge movie fan and haven't been to that one. They have an interesting movie selection as well. I'm bummed out. I never went to Coolidge Corner. Um, obviously, yeah. I'll end up doing that on my own time. That was one I was saving for this, uh, uh, the 20 and 30. Um, but... Um, that's a, that, that seems like a really interesting theater, but the Brattle is very cool. And that, and that rear projection is interesting. Um, it does make for a smaller screen though. Uh, so I, I mean, I can see why theaters go the other way with that, but, um, still a unique experience and definitely worth checking out. And the popcorn's very good there. It's very important. That's right. It is fresh butter. Yeah. I want to thank all, all the listeners of the show. Um, obviously thank you for listening, but also thank you so much for, for all the support and suggestions. Um, I'd say over a third of the theaters I went to were because people suggested them to me uh, in DMs or um, I know Kirk suggested the Luna Theater. I had uh, people DM me about Newburyport Screening Room, um, Cinema Salem, uh, the Britannia, uh, many others. Um, the support was great throughout the entire uh, entire run. I really, I really, like I said, do appreciate, especially when I said I got COVID and the show was ending. Um, I had dozens of people reach out on DM, which was very nice and and. Um, and I, I genuinely appreciate it. Um, thank you so much to our great sponsors. Obviously, we have the two today, Saints 413. Check them out. Uh, Q for Quinn. But then the other sponsors along the way, um, Tom Treshock, sponsored Budget Month, um, Two Tours, Griffin Lock and Key, KL Jack, Popped. Um, go check them out if you haven't already. Uh, they all do a great job and we're huge, huge, huge supporters of the show. Thank you so much to all the, the guests that came on. Um, it was so much more fun doing the show with, with people here as opposed to by myself, uh, especially early on. It made made it a lot easier for me. Um, and obviously the biggest thank you to Kirk Minahan. Um, not only was he an amazing guest, but uh, the constant promotion uh, of this show and his show allowed the show to have the numbers it did um, and uh, made a huge difference. And it was fun talking about these movies with him every week uh, when I went on his show. So, um, it sucks. I'm, I'm going to miss this. Um, I have COVID, so I'm still kind of all blurry my brain. I'm kind of, I'm still kind of like in shock. It's over to some extent. I'm a little, just, and I'm just kind of confused what to do next. It just end. I mean, this is always, I guess, going to end abruptly, obviously. Um, I guess, uh, I just, I really, I'm just very surprised it happened now. Um, I don't know. Maybe I would have been less surprised if it happened. You know, if I saw a blizzard a week away and I, for whatever reason, couldn't get out or whatever I saw it coming, it would be different. But, uh, but even a couple of days later, I'm still uh, a little flabbergasted there. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm actively thinking of something else to do, but if this does start up again, I'd be, I'd be game for it if it was the right situation for sure. Uh, but I would just start over again. Be day one. Warthog, we, I have one more review to do before I do any, uh, anything else for, on your end? Um, no. All right, then this show should end as it begins with Kurt Warner. No, with Morbius, <laughs> which is a horrible movie. I'm going to give this a D minus. It just misses the F troop. Um, this is worse than Venom. I did see uh, Morbius with Tom Treshock 
and Nick both in town for the uh, Kirk Minahan show live show. We we had fun hanging out, but Morbius uh, was a uh, we all hated it. Venom, the, the greatest comp is Venom. I mean, obviously both of these Sony Marvel movies, um, both are bad movies. Venom at least knows it's bad. Like it doesn't take itself seriously. It, it's like ah, we don't really give a fuck. It's not even trying too hard. This movie, I think, thinks it's like a pretty good movie. Like Jared Leto seems to know it, it sucks. Like he's half ass in this. You look at a movie like House of Gucci, where he's just like wildly overacting the entire time, and um, and that's I feel like that's more Jared Leto. Even like Suicide Squad, he's just like it's ridiculously over the top. But in this, he, he it seemed like he was on like antidepressants. He was just like foggy. Didn't really seem to want to be there. Um, I mean, it was a decent performance because he's a good actor. Um, but the movie's so bad, and you could tell he knew that. He, he seemed like you'd see if you look at his eyes really closely. He's like just hoping that check clears. Um, and the rest of the cast, you know, Jared Harris from Mad Men, he's a good actor. Um, Matt Smith from Doctor Who. Um, he was in Last Night in Soho, which is a much better movie than this. They're doing their best, I guess, but. The movie is so poorly directed by Daniel Espinoza. It's done on the cheap. All the effects are like cloudy. It's in the dark. Um, this whole movie is shot almost pitch black. And you can tell they did that just to save... Mo I mean, obviously, I know Morbius is like this bat creature, supposedly. But obviously, effects at night are just so much cheaper. Um, the, the most ridiculous thing about this movie is... If you watch the trailer, which I've seen this trailer, I don't know, 75 times... Um, because it was supposed to come out, of course, in January and it got pushed to April. So I feel like I saw this trailer the entire time I did this project. And Michael Keaton is very, uh, he has a couple lines in the trailer. And uh, he is not in this movie until after the credits. They have those post-credit sequences that Marvel movies do. And um, Sony obviously just trying to recapture some of that magic. And they did it here. And that's the only time you see Michael Keaton. I mean, to have him be in the trailer, I feel is such a bait and switch. Um, this movie is just absolutely atrocious. Um, stay away. It, like I said, the comp is Venom here. Um, you know, Justin Trudell, once again, I'll bring him up. He made a good point about this movie as well, where he was saying how the bad guy in Morbius has the same powers as Morbius. And he's exactly right. And it, it makes it a lot less interesting because then it's just one of those, just like, it's just like a, this weird duel. Uh, you never want to see that. You want to see kind of the different powers face off ideally. That, that's a, what a good rose gallery will have. And that's what Batman, uh, Spider-Man ha has those bad guys that can do different things. Um, I don't really, no one wants to see two Morbiuses fight off. And besides, Morbius is already sort of ripping off the vampire anyway. They kind of make in-jokes about that the entire movie. So uh, it was once again a case where you're seeing like a photocopy of a photocopy. Um, Morbius is a stay away movie. It was not worth the wait. But in many ways was the most important topic of this podcast, Morbius. And it's going to get a D minus from me. Oh, I almost forgot to thank my wife, um, who was incredibly supportive to this ridiculous project. And my, she went to a ton of these movies with me, and my favorite memories of this endeavor, I think, would be going to some of these great movies with her. Uh, we saw Belfast together, a bunch of other ones. So, obviously, a big thank you to Laura. Warthog, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Once again, thank you to everyone who's listened. I genuinely appreciate it. And hopefully I'll be talking to you folks somewhere soon.